I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You might have seen the joke, and it is still mostly a joke, going around the internet. Another one of millions of jobs around the world is lost to this pandemic and the person who lost it, whether they work in hospitality or media, government or whatever, takes to social media and with a rueful tone says, ah, well, I guess it's time to start my OnlyFans account. And people laugh, but only a little, because another job has been lost and this year sucks. If there are winners in 2020, though, OnlyFans is a big one. Like so much on the internet, it was a website created to allow people to connect with one another. And its technology offered a chance for creators to monetize their fans by letting them subscribe to their feeds for a monthly fee and exclusive content. And, like so much on the internet, that technology was immediately used to make pornography. And really, all this couldn't have come at a better time, not only was everyone stuck at home, all the mainstream pornography studios were shuttered for health reasons and all the performers needed work. So they went to work for themselves on OnlyFans. So what has all this done to a porn industry that is constantly changing? Is this next iteration fleeting or permanent? Where is the line now between the mainstream pornography industry and the amateur people making money online? And is there a technology out there, anywhere, on the internet, that can't be used for porn? Okay, that last question was rhetorical. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Lena Masitsis is the producer of The Last Days of August and The Butterfly Effect. She's also a producer at This American Life. She may be the podcast producer who knows the most about porn. Hello, Lena. Hi, how are you? I'm doing really well. And maybe for um, people who haven't listened to The Butterfly Effect, um, can you try to describe uh, how profoundly the porn industry has changed even over, say, the last five or seven years and how quickly it changes in general? Yeah, I mean, it's changed dramatically since we made the butterfly effect, which I, I believe we started reporting on. We as me and John Ronson. I was working with the uh, journalist John Ronson on both of those two series that you mentioned. And I believe we started reporting on it in 2016. And, and the question we were looking at in the butterfly effect was how has this relatively new access to, to like unlimited porn for free that anyone can access on the internet, how has that impacted the lives of the actual people making it? And so basically there's this company, it's in Montreal, it's called, it is right now called MindGeek. 
I believe at the time it was called Mind Freak. And originally I think it was called Man Win. They run a website called Pornhub. They actually, they own a bunch of streaming websites, but they, but Pornhub if for our purposes is, is like the one we're paying closest attention to because it's the most visited porn site. It regularly ranks as like one of the top 10 most visited websites in America, you know, like beside Google and like Twitter. And so the the reality of porn in 2016 is that a lot of it was still being made professionally. So in the U.S., it's, it's made in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Las Vegas, and in Florida, which means people are using budgets to pay actors and directors and sound people to make porn. Um, but then that porn is being uploaded illegally. It's being pirated to Pornhub, which is a lot like YouTube just for porn, which means that the consumer isn't paying for it. And and the the question we were trying to get the answer to was like, how has it impacted porn people's livelihoods? And and basically, what are they doing to make up for lost cash? And what did the industry do to adapt to uh, MindGeek and and the Pornhub model? I mean, the answer to that, like you're you're right to point out that it's always changing. Like it's it's always changing to the point that before I got on the phone with you today, I called one of the porn performers that we speak to in Butterfly Effect to just to like catch up on what literally has happened in the last couple of weeks. Like it it, it really does change all the time. At the time, the the answer hovered around custom porn, which I like is still what I would call it, custom porn. So that's porn that a consumer can order directly from a performer that they like. And often it, it it breaks down to porn. Like basically for someone to reach out to a porn performer and ask them to, to make a video in exchange for like one, five, ten thousand dollars um, $10,000, it's because they have a specific kink or there's something they're interested in that they otherwise can't find on the internet. And there's billions of hours of porn on the internet. So when you're, when you're to the point where you're looking for custom videos, mm-hmm. more often than not is is a kink so specific that like it might only apply to you. Like you might be the only person in the world who has this specific proclivity. So a lot of our series focused on custom porn and on how like people who are made famous as mainstream porn stars are supplementing their income by making these custom videos. Well, and as you describe that uh, business model to me, um, it's only natural for me to ask you, is that how we ended up with OnlyFans, which seems like that on a huge uh, scale. Because uh, to put everything on the table, we wanted to talk to somebody who could discuss how the industry has changed over the last mm, eight months of this pandemic, primarily because we kept seeing uh, joking references to so-and-so. I'm just going to start an OnlyFans. Um, And then uh, it became a ubiquitous thing. And it seems like another mass mainstream shift uh, of where porn comes from. OnlyFans is fascinating, and and here's why. It is there is nothing new about technology basically getting its start through through porn. I mean, like the joke is that like porn and the internet invented each other. Like like people invented the internet so that they could watch porn. Like people invented the video cassette so they could rent porn and not have to go to a movie theater to watch it. Right. And, and so it's it's totally not new to say that um that has trickled down to 2020. And so when when social media apps especially are started, it, it is often the case that the first users of it will be porn people. Because they're the ones who are so easily booted off of other social media websites. And so OnlyFans, I love OnlyFans because OnlyFans was not invented, like OnlyFans was never meant 
to be used by porn people, it's kind of a fluke that it is. And it's it's like it's all because of a policy that they that they didn't make. Maybe before you get to that, you can explain for uh, people who have either never used OnlyFans or at least want to pretend uh, to people listening with them that they've never used OnlyFans, what it is. Sure. Like in terms of wanting wanting to get something clear, um, the thing that I care about so much is just pointing out as often as possible that statistically 80% of people watch porn. And so anyone who says they don't is just like most likely lying. Right. But so, but just in case, if you don't know what OnlyFans is, OnlyFans is a lot like Twitter or Instagram, but you pay to use it. And, and so when you're following a person, like if you want to follow... Um, Jennifer Aniston on Twitter, it's, that costs you nothing. You sign up for Twitter and then you follow Jennifer Aniston and then when she tweets, you can see it. I doubt that Jennifer Aniston has an OnlyFans, but in, if she did, um, on OnlyFans, if you chose to follow Jennifer Aniston, it would mean that you're agreeing to pay a set cost each month to be able to see whatever the content is that she makes available on OnlyFans. And then there's also these these like social aspects of it where you can pay extra to have direct interactions with the people that you follow on OnlyFans. So you can you can pay money to have a person do a strip show for you or masturbate for you or text with you or tell you that they love you. Like like the, like the 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 options are limitless. It's just it's it's Twitter where you pay money for exchanges. And it wasn't uh designed for porn, but I can um I can see that it's a perfect way to monetize a digital following, regardless of whether or not it's for porn. And when we talk about monetizing digital followings, then we get to porn like instantly, right? We do. But just to say that, like, this isn't a porn specific topic. Like Taylor Swift has been making headlines for years, writing public letters to iTunes or Apple or whatever, saying like, I am the creator. And so I should have the most ownership of my work. And so should other musicians. And then everyone claps. Like, I don't like OnlyFans wasn't made with porn people in mind. I, I my understanding is that OnlyFans was made with creators in mind. Creators meaning and like people who make things in exchange for money. What I was saying earlier is that most other social media apps that are like OnlyFans have rules. Obviously, have like rules of like like conduct rules. Um, and more often than not, one of those rules is that you cannot you cannot. Uh, post any any nudity and you cannot post sexually explicit content. So like if a person has penetrative sex, they can't post a shot of like the part that wouldn't belong on television that like wouldn't make it onto television onto a social media site. Only fans, I don't know if it's a fluke or not, but they just happened not to make a policy. Like they neglected to make a policy that banned nudity. And so porn people just very, very rapidly flocked to it. My understanding is that OnlyFans was made to be a lot like um, something that's called Cameo, where with Cameo, you can pay like like B and C list um, celebrities to like call your friend and leave a voicemail. Right. It seems like that was the original idea. And then porn people flocked to it. And then OnlyFans just never said, okay, actually, never mind. You guys have to go. Like they, they just never made the rule. Oh, and it's working out really well for them. It is. And, and it's, it's actually a, a really important distinction because there's other websites like OnlyFans. There's many vids, there's clips for sale. Those websites are virtually the same thing. It's 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 places where you can go subscribe to a specific performer, but in this case, adult performer, and and have like some sort of a one-on-one relationship with that person. But 
In the case of websites like ManyVids and Clips for Sale, they take a much higher commission from porn people than OnlyFans does. They take 60% commission from porn people, whereas OnlyFans only takes a 20% commission. If the majority of your money is coming from these websites, like that is the difference between getting by and not getting by. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together, and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. So was this something that was driven then by established members of uh, the porn community flocking there and setting up? Or was it started by, and I don't mean OnlyFans itself, but I mean the the pornographic content on it, was it started by sex workers? Because as I understand it... um, It's a good question. Yeah, there's a difference between, uh, you know, really established adult video stars and uh, people who are making their money working in the sex industry. It's funny because when I first started coming to the Valley, I'm in LA right now, and when I first started going to the Valley, which is where in LA they make porn, they would bring up, like, porn people would bring up mainstream to mean, like, the other side of LA Hollywood where, like, the actual famous people make movies. And, like, they would consider, like, they are, they're the marginalized people to, to the mainstream people. And now, like, this is my first time really, like, realizing this, like, this year, like, especially since COVID started. But the way, the way we've, we now talk about sex work has been similarly tiered, where mainstream now in, in the porn world means people who, who shoot mainstream porn, people who get paid to go to set to shoot porn. And then, like, vintage, not vintage, sorry, like, DIY Mom and pop porn is the kind that is only made on the internet, like that anyone can make in their house. And and if 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 there's someone out there willing to pay for it, then like then they get a following. What's relevant there about what you just said is that it was a combination of the two things. Like like you need an Angela White or an Asa Akira or like a Riley Reed to show up on OnlyFans to set the precedent that this is where you go for porn. And then once the precedent is set. And, and folks know that if they want porn, they go to OnlyFans. Then lots and lots and lots of people go to OnlyFans looking for porn. And then, what, like, as soon as you add more people to the mix, there's more people looking for more for like more a variety of content. No one tells me what what amount of money they make, but I but I I feel pretty confident saying that while there are very successful OnlyFans creators who do not work in mainstream porn. The people who have OnlyFans who also work in mainstream porn are the ones making the most money. That was going to be my next question, uh, was about the economics of all this, especially when the pandemic began. And again, I don't know the details of it, but um, I'm assuming most major, uh, you know, mainstream porn production houses shut down and those folks needed to find work as well. Correct. Like at least in at least in California, there was um, there was like an in- industry wide uh hiatus, I guess. Um, and it lasted for a while. I, I believe they they started shooting again at some point in the summer, maybe end of July. I think it was end of July, but at a limited capacity. And there's a lot of rules that you have to follow if you want to shoot, which are basically like you have to get COVID tested every day. Like 
uh, every other day actually. And 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 it's just it's a it's like a huge commitment right now to shoot. Plus, the pandemic is real and it's dangerous. <laughs> For the months when porn wasn't being made at the mainstream level, like OnlyFans blew up. So I talked to Casey Calvert. She's um she's a mainstream porn star. She she's signed by Mark Spiegler, who is like the most famous agent in porn. She's one of the more popular girls in porn. Casey told me that before COVID, about 40% of her income, like overall, was coming from OnlyFans. And that during COVID, like for the last eight months or so, about 70% of her income is coming from OnlyFans. Is that enough of a shift to change the economics of porn as a whole? Because, you know, we kind of began and, and the butterfly effect is about the way that the industry quickly finds a way to adapt to technology that is changing uh, how people get their porn. So I guess what I'm trying to figure out is, is the stampede to OnlyFans, though it is for sure like caused by the pandemic, is it something that will change the industry even after presumably there's a vaccine, restrictions are lifted and and mainstream porn can once again be shot everywhere? I mean, there's no, there's no answer for that. Like anything that I have to say about it is anecdotal, but I can tell you that my opinion is is no, I don't I don't think that there is a precedent now being set that will last. Um just because nothing like no precedent in porn lasts. There's there's a version of reality right now where a bunch of top-tier porn performers know that they can make more money that they control on OnlyFans, on their schedule, based on when they feel like getting up and they feel like putting on makeup, based on who they feel like shooting with and not like getting assigned to shoot with someone. Like there's a world where that reality makes it so that those those performers don't want to go back to mainstream sets or it just no, like the at some point, like it's going to become obvious that it just doesn't make any financial sense to shoot porn professionally anymore because no one's paying for it. If mainstream porn goes away, like once once the 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 current generation of of mainstream porn stars like retire or die, then then like like it just it's not going to have the same appeal. It's not going to be like talking to a famous person anymore. It's going to be like talking to a person who is comfortable accommodating your kink. When you talk about the future of the porn industry or when I ask you about it, and obviously, um, especially in this industry, nobody can predict it, will there be more iterations of OnlyFans? Because again, the thing that I find fascinating about it is that it's a tool that puts the power of the industry into the hands of the workers. Yeah, but it's fleeting. I mean... Why do you say it's fleeting? Because OnlyFans is working on a technicality and probably OnlyFans... Like, OnlyFans... A, like the company, not the not the people on the website. The company OnlyFans is obviously financially benefiting right now from from that technicality. But there's so many laws. Like it's so hard for a porn person in America to just like maintain a PayPal account because there's so many laws about what constitutes trafficking and like what is considered a potential threat and like what liability is, and and it's really really hard for people in porn to maintain any sort of a long-term relationship with anything that's that, that has to do with technology because rules rules like laws laws pop up all the time that kind of just reinforces this idea that sex workers are a liability and that companies shouldn't be working with them and i thought journalism was an insecure industry uh, i mean like i thought it was too but then podcasting became popular and i'm very surprised <laughs> here we are Thank you so much, Lena, for for trying to explain this to us and and 
It'll be interesting to see if we have the same conversation a year from now, um, whether to your point, all this is gone. Wonderful, guys. Thank you so much. Lena Masitsis, producer of The Last Days of August and The Butterfly Effect. She also works on This American Life. All of those are available wherever you get your podcasts. Just like this podcast, which is also available at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us, TheBigStoryPodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. We are always happy to hear from you, whether it's on social media or via email or via a review on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.